read up on personal finance. If you were to start off managing your money really well, that would open up a lot of opportunities on the artistic side. Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 82 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. On today's episode of the show, I'm excited to be joined by two more listeners in part two of the Listener Lightning Round series. And as I mentioned last time, if you're ever interested in taking part in something like this yourself and want to be notified when it becomes available, make sure to join the Clarinet email newsletter, which you can do at clarinet.com, or join the Facebook community. Uh, Facebook itself as a platform seems to be kind of failing right now, to be honest. Um, so I may look into moving that somewhere else. But but for now, go on Facebook and search Clarinet community and the page should pop up. Actually, if you're on the Clarinet Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Clarinet, there should be a link to it directly from that page. So anyways, for now, that's where it is. But uh, generally, if you want the best up-to-date information, be sure to join the mailing list. And you can do that just by scrolling down to the bottom of the website and clicking the uh, Join Now button. Detailed show notes for today's episode can be found at clarinet.com slash 82. That's the number 82. Let's move on to the first guest of today's episode right after a message from our sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds. So I'm here today with Catherine Peters, who is a guest for our Listener Lightning Round episode of the podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Catherine. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So where are you in the world and how did you first find out about the Clarinet podcast? I am in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I actually came across it, I think it might have even been on Facebook, where somebody had shared an article or an episode and I was just like, oh, cool. I'm happy to hear people are sharing it. We had the chance to meet down in Orlando this summer. Is that correct? No, I don't think so. I didn't make it. No, I wanted to go, but I couldn't make it this year. Oh, maybe we were communicating online about it and then I thought I encountered you down there. Yeah, I did comment on a few of, of your posts from Clarinet Fest. Those were really fun. Maybe you were living vicariously through the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit, actually. <laughs> that was one fun part about the video, actually, is a lot of people commented and were like, oh, you know, I'm so happy to see all this stuff because I didn't get the chance to go. And <laughs> yes, so. exactly. So tell me a little bit more about yourself clarinet-wise. What do you do? I am a studio teacher and a freelance musician. I play locally with the Carmel Symphony Orchestra and the Indiana Wind Symphony. I'm also the director of the Indianapolis Clarinet Ensemble. Oh, wow. Do you know Eric Salazar? I do. He is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I met him through the podcast and uh, we actually roomed together at the first Clarinet Fest I went, I went to down there. And yeah, great guy. Yeah, he's one of those people that when he smiles, it just makes you smile. I have a few colleagues who are like that. He just cracks me up every time I see him. His smile makes me frown. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into these lightning round questions here. If I were to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find on it? 
Right now, it would just be Indianapolis clarinet ensemble music. I'm kind of clearing off my desk, so to speak, for the end of the year. And that's the last thing that I have going on. And is it arrangements uh, that someone in the ensemble is doing? or I did several of them, and then we sourced some others on the web or in stores. Oh, very cool. What piece of music or album changed your life irreversibly? Jars of clay. Uh, On the classical (laughs) side, there were actually a handful all at about the same time. But the one that kind of stands out is a CD I borrowed from our band library. It was Sergei Dungain playing both Weber concertos. And it was just so different than clarinet in the context of band. It was, you know, very expressive and it was very dramatic. And if you can wear out a CD, I would have. (laughs) How old were you when you found that CD again? I was in high school. I was probably 15 or 16. Yeah, I find that's when most people discover the the music that really truly moves them. I don't know why. Like, I listened to a lot before that age as well, but it wasn't until high school that I sort of really latched onto some things and was like, wow. Yeah, and that's the one that kind of sticks out at me. If you could play any instrument other than the clarinet, which would it be and why? Oh, goodness, this one's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Can it be one that I actually already play? Uh, not technically, but sometimes. <laughs> ah, okay, I will go with piano then. I do play piano, but only at a decent competency. I'm not like actually a very excellent pianist. So I'll, I'll go ahead and take that. Fair enough. If you could go back in time and meet any musician, who would it be and why? I came down to two and I picked Lowell Mason. We consider him to be like the father of music education here in the United States. He lived in Boston and was the one that basically established music classes in schools. Like he went around and actually taught them for free for a while. And when he stopped that trial, they quickly discovered, no, we want you back. And so I think it would be really cool to hear about starting music ed in the school setting. And then I also think he would have some really interesting insights on modern music in the schools and also in churches for that matter. That's a fantastic choice. Yeah, I think Behrman would be my second pick. Ah, I think you're the first person to say Behrman. That's surprising. (laughs) There would be some interesting, just in the the way that the clarinet was developing during his lifetime. I, I think that would be some interesting conversation. Absolutely. While we're back in time... What advice would you give your younger self? I would very highly encourage myself to read up on personal finance, like Howard Dayton, Dave Ramsey, some some way to learn how to manage your money well, because things aren't really a now or never kind of situation like we always think they are when we're 20. (laughs) Um, But opportunities do arise and you want to be able to take those opportunities without being held back by a lack of money. And I know a lot of people who, oh, I wish I could go do that, or I wish I could learn more about this, but I just don't have the money to do it. And I think if you were to start off managing your money really well, that would open up a lot of opportunities on the artistic side that, you know, you wouldn't be impeded. I think you raised such an interesting point about the the now or never mentality of the 20s. And And it's true because when you're 20, you've really only had a fully functioning brain for about two years. (laughs) Like if you think about it, you're you're young, you're a kid for a while, you're a baby and then you're a kid and then you're a teenager. And, you know, with teenagers, there's so many hormones and, you know, with puberty and everything, you're not really quite all there yet, to be completely honest. And then when you're 20, that's when you first realize, like, wait a second, I'm responsible for a lot of this stuff. And then you want it now, 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 now. But it takes time. It does. And, you know, life does happen in seasons. But again, 
if you have yourself set up from the beginning to where, you know, you're prepared for those seasons, you could just take advantage of the opportunities as they come. Yeah, yeah. A couple other listeners here said something interesting, too, which was, I can't remember the exact wording right now. There's been so many conversations in the last couple of days, but something like trust, not trust your elders, but something like that. You know, like these people have been there before. They do know what they're doing. <laughs> like you got to put faith in the system or something like that. It's, it's, and it's true. Yes. I always enjoy when, you know, I have a 13 or 14 year old in my studio and I suggest that they try something and they just look at me like I'm absolutely nuts. like, no, seriously, just try it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just just do it. It'll work. That's great. What was the best advice you ever received and who gave it to you? Before I started college, someone suggested to me that I take a notebook and a pen with me. And in my downtime, I go observe other rehearsals. And if my private lesson teacher or my professor would allow it to go observe lessons from the clarinet professor at my university. And I did that. I carried around a notebook for most of the time that I was in college and would sit into choral rehearsals, would sit into orchestra rehearsals, would sit into band rehearsals you know, of ensembles that I was not in, I got my professor to let me sit in his studio one week. It was like, I logged like 10 hours in his studio, just writing down, you know, what he was teaching others or what the other directors were doing. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Or yeah, that's a really common problem. That's a good way to handle that. And so now I have this notebook from when I was in college of all these ideas from my elders, going back to what you said before. And that was a brilliant piece of advice. I am so glad that I took that. I find it interesting that you say that because I also find, for example, that watching someone else teach is such a mind opening thing because you might think you're saying something, but the way you're saying it is just slightly different or they've tweaked it somehow that's just like, oh, it's instant, you know? Yeah. The clarity that they just all of a sudden got, that's brilliant. I should write that down. <laughs> yeah. And it might've been what you were striving for too. And, and, you know, it's funny too, about the book, because I am bad with keeping my book because I don't often remember to bring it, but uh, I do have a book too, where I write down ideas in and, and I used to always think, oh, there's no way. It's kind of like waking up from a dream when you just had a really great dream. You're like, oh, there's no way I'll forget this. And later you don't think you forgot it, but the only reason you don't think you don't think you forgot it, it because you don't remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if you knew what you hadn't written down, you would definitely have written it down. Like it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things. So do write down ideas as they come to you because they are fleeting and no matter how big they seem, they can sometimes just go away and never come back. Yep. And the further you go, the more ideas are in there and it's harder to access the file. (laughs) Yeah. It's also interesting too. I mean, some people think there's the concept of the overnight success that took 20 years or whatever. And that's a really common thing. People look at like, whether it's a basketball player or a symphony musician or whatever, and all they can see is the one successful audition, but they don't see the 25 years of work before it or. Yep. It's not now or never. Absolutely. Full circle. (laughs) What is one book you think everyone should read? I got to tell you, I wish that there had been a book like Break Onto the Scene, the Seth Haynes book. When I was first starting out. Oh, did you read that one? I've, I've read snippets of it. I haven't read the whole thing yet. But just from the bits that I have read, I'm just like, oh, man, you know, not all of us are naturally outgoing. So the help with marketing yourself is really appreciated. <laughs> it's very helpful in actually getting hired. And some of us, you know, had to do that over the course of many years. But that book at the very beginning would have been extremely helpful 
You know, there's another book right now that you'd like to buy another person I've not only had on the podcast, but kind of gotten to know a little bit through the internet here. Um, His name's Emilio Garino. It's called Make It, A Guide for Recent Music Graduates. And I think it's intended for anyone who's actually graduated. It doesn't have to be recent, but it's especially helpful for recent grads. And it makes comments like, you can't get rich by not buying a cup of coffee. If the coffee brings value to your day and your life, buy yourself a cup of coffee, but instead think of how you're going to make 50 or $100 that day. Don't worry about the pennies, where the pennies are going. Worry about where the dollars are coming in. And it's such a wise statement because a lot of people think that if they clip a coupon, they're going to make it and get rich or be able to sustain themselves. You have to worry more about the income. Outgoing expenses are, is more important sometimes. So anyways, he's got a lot of great advice in that book. And I think it's available for like two ninety nine on Amazon Kindle. So you should check that out. I will look that one up. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show here for this. This was a real treat. And is there anything in closing you'd like to add for the Clarinet audience? Other than just thanking you for the content that you're putting on, there's been several really excellent interviews that have been really fun to listen to, but at the same time, you know, you get a lot out of. So I appreciate the work that you're doing on the podcast. Thank you so much. It wouldn't be happening without wonderful people like yourself listening as well and and taking part in interacting online and, uh, even coming on for this kind of thing. So thank you so much, Catherine. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. This was fun. Well, that was just excellent. I'm really, really glad that I reached out to all of these podcast listeners because I, like I said before, I think that there's so much wisdom out there in the community that, and there's not always a platform for people to share their thoughts like this. I especially liked Catherine's thoughts on financial planning, which honestly is something that I feel maybe universities should be going through a little bit more because achieving your artistic goals isn't always just about doing the right amount of practice or using the right equipment or studying with the right teacher. Sometimes you need money to do these things, Um, buying a new clarinet, taking lessons, traveling to a clarinet fest, any kind of thing like this takes a little bit of financial planning to get to. And not to mention things like buying a house and, you know, having a kid or buying a car, any other life goals that you might have. So, yeah, I'd really love um, some sort of additional book suggestions or even a topic suggestion for a guest who might be really good to come on to discuss this on the podcast. If you do have thoughts, as always, you can send them along to feedback at clarinet.com. Let's move on to the next listener lightning round. I'm here today with Robin Black. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. Thanks for having me. So where are you in the world and how did you hear about the Clarinet podcast? I'm in the Vancouver, British Columbia area. I don't actually remember how I heard about it. I think I must have come across it on Facebook or the Clarinet bulletin boards relatively early on. What's your favorite episode looking back? Probably the Stanley Drucker one. Yeah, it's been a favorite for a lot of people. It was such a great opportunity to speak with him. I really enjoyed that conversation. So tell me a little bit more about yourself, Clarinet wise. What do you do? Well, right now I'm a student still. I'm studying at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. That's great. My best friend went to Kwantlen, actually. I've played there, actually, in that little auditorium. It's great. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm a student. I try to get out performing as much as possible, though. Absolutely. So if I were to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find on it? What are you working on? Got it right here. I've got the Nino Rota Sonata. going to be playing that in the spring. And then I also have the Daniel Bernard studies, the etudes and the orchestral excerpts. And then I also have another orchestral excerpt packet that I'm working on, including the Bartok Miraculous Mandarin. Sounds like you might be preparing for an audition or a concert. Yeah, it's for the National Youth Orchestra of Canada audition. Oh, wow. Very cool. Good luck with that. Thank you. What piece of music or album changed your life irreversibly? I'd probably have to say the Stanley Drucker recording of the Nielsen Concerto with New York. 
I heard it was recorded in one take. Were you at Clarinet Fest this summer? No, unfortunately not. He was there and he actually talked about that recording. They had like a live interview thing, which was really great. And what they did actually is they played excerpts of pieces that he had recorded and then asked him for his kind of thoughts on them. And it was something that I thought I should take into account as far as the podcast goes, because the best way to sort of stir a musician's mind is to show the music, right? And the stories that came out of that were just amazing. So do you like the uh, Corigliano concerto recording too? The Drucker one? Have you heard that one? Yeah, I have heard it. It's quite a bit to swallow. I'm not sure I can totally understand the piece. Yeah, it's a different piece, but also amazing. So if you could pick any other instrument than the clarinet, which would it be and why? Probably the French horn. French horn. That's an interesting choice. Why? There's nothing wrong with it. You're the first to choose it. That's all. (laughs) Probably because of the solo at the end of the Firebird Suite. You wouldn't be the first to choose an instrument because of one prominent solo. I think many people probably choose clarinet, actually, for Peter and the Wolf or something like that. Although I've heard more people say they chose it because of Squidward, which... (laughs) (laughs) If you could go back in time to meet any musician, who would it be and why? It would probably have to be Daniel Bernard, just because as clarinetists, a lot of the time we spend is trying to figure out what the perfect sound is, what sounds just right. And for a lot of people, it seems to trace back to him for the American school. While we're back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Probably just to not worry as much. Very nervous, especially starting out performing. Yeah, well, you know, that's actually been a common thread with all the lightning round answers is a lot of people wish they could go back and kind of convince themselves to relax and sort of enjoy the journey more. And I was just talking with someone else this morning, actually, about how it's kind of biologically built into us to worry. If you didn't worry, you'd get eaten by a lion. But in modern days, it's often not helpful. So have you ever tried meditation? It's something I've never explored, but I've heard people use that sort of become mindful of the worrying and put it aside i haven't really tried it a couple of my friends have actually been working with that lately they took a class on psychophysiology which apparently involved that kind of thing so i might need to look into that a little bit more yeah you know i think it's totally normal especially early on in your career and and that's what i think is so awesome about this chance to talk to some younger musicians on the show here is that everyone who i'm speaking with they're at the verge of their careers the start of their careers and how cool would it have been to talk to any number of the legendary clarinetists at this point in their life i do think that you know with great things like auditioning for the youth orchestra you're well on your way to a great career thank you thank you what is the best advice you ever received and who gave it to you in relation to performing and that kind of thing It would probably have to be after one of my first chamber music performances at Kwantlen. My coach came out and told me, yeah, it sounded great. But when you walked on stage, you looked like someone was about to shoot you. You're like crawling out face to the floor. And I really kind of took that to heart. And I feel like it's made a huge difference just being mindful of that whenever I'm walking out for a performance or something to try to act as if I'm in charge of everything and then everything else comes a little bit more easily. Yeah, it's a tough thing because as musicians, we think so often just about the playing of the performance as being the performance. But I think vocalists experience this more where their personality becomes part of the show almost. And I think as clarinetists, we can definitely learn from that. So that's great advice. Thanks for sharing that. What is one book that you think every clarinetist should read or everyone should read? What's your favorite book? I'm kind of tempted to be a little bit cheeky and say Jose or scale book or something. (laughs) What book of prose? (laughs) One of the most interesting music books I've read, it's called Sound in Motion. Second or third person say that. I need to check this out. Yeah. Who's the author again, though, just in case someone listening hasn't heard that? I think McGill. He's a bassoonist. It's kind of about Marcel Tabato and his system for phrasing with giving a note a number in regard to its 
prominence in the phrase. Yeah, this is very interesting. I'm going to have to check this book out for sure. And that's a great suggestion. How many clarinets do you own? It's around like eight or nine. You got like a full clarinet uh, ensemble there? Are they all B-flat clarinets or what's the breakdown? It's a bunch of B-flats. I have one A and one E-flat as well. Little forest of clarinets you got going there. (laughs) Yeah, there seems to be no end to it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. This is such a pleasure to talk to some of the audience members. And definitely, if I'm ever out in Vancouver, I will reach out and say hello. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Any final words before we wrap up? Just thanks a lot for having me on. Yes, and wonderful. Thank you so much. Another great conversation with another great listener. So thank you so much, Robin, for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed how he approached the topic of anxiety and performance and, and with musicians, um, performance anxiety, because this is something that obviously all players deal with. And of course, there's a certain amount of anxiety that's justified and even healthy towards performance. I mean, if you're about to get on stage in front of 3000 people and, and do something, you might be a little nervous. That makes a little bit of sense. But there is a point where it becomes crippling and might actually prevent you from being able to do the job. So I've asked Brett Newton, who is my new research assistant here on the podcast. He's been helping me not only assure that I find the best guests for each topic, but but also that I ask them the best questions and, and get all the most important information out of them while they're here. So thank you so much for helping out, Brett. But um, he found someone named Dr. Miranda George, who is an active writer and lecturer on the topic of performance anxiety in musicians. So I really do look forward to speaking with her about this topic and kind of finding out healthy ways maybe to manage anxiety or maybe ways to recognize good anxiety versus bad anxiety and and also talking about various means of of how this, you know, diet and and exercise and all these other things which don't directly seem related to music, how they might actually influence levels of anxiety. So this is a topic that I'm really excited about. And if you're also excited about this topic and you find that you want to submit a listener question, this is now open to Patreon backers. I'm posting upcoming guests on the Patreon page and you can submit your listener answers below. You can support the podcast on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. And you'll also get access to bonus content, high resolution, early access episodes that have no ads in them at all and uh, and more. So check that out at clarineat.com slash Patreon and know that your help is seriously appreciated and really goes a long way to helping me produce the show. If this was your first time listening to the podcast, first of all, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you happen to be listening. You can also keep in touch by following us on social media and by joining our email mailing list. I send out updates on new content and sometimes even coupon codes for discounts and on our apparel and, and more. If you'd like to get in touch directly and pass along any thoughts, guest requests, or feedback, send me an email at feedback at Even just to say hello. I love hearing from various listeners all around the world. I've got messages lately from Australia. uh, I think Korea was one of them. uh, The United States. It's amazing how far-reaching this show is. I've actually read the stats, and apparently it's listened to in over 90 countries now, which is just absolutely amazing. The podcast is produced by a wonderful team of volunteers. For today's episode, I'd like to thank our copy editor, Megan Taylor, audio editor, Brian Shaples, social media assistant, Tony Park, and research assistant, Brett Newton. The music that starts and ends the podcast is by Michael Lowenstern, and I'm your host, Sean Perrin, coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. You know, I was saying last week that I hoped it would be warmer when I spoke to you again on the podcast. Um, yesterday, 
I was actually shoveling snow, believe it or not. It's April 7th now, and the day before, it was minus 25 degrees, so spring absolutely cannot come fast enough. I'm really tired of this cold. I can't wait to go outside like a normal human being and take in some sunshine. Anyways, we'll see you again soon for more of what's new and neat for Clarinet on the Clarinet Podcast. Clarinet is brought to you by the support of its listeners. If you'd like to learn how you can support the show, please visit clarinet.com support. Of course, the show is also brought to you by our season sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, Dario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from Dario Woodwinds, visit dedario.com woodwinds.